Nick Cannon show that's oh, on. Yeah, it so was in Chicago, it was in Chicago. Oh, it was, it was at, it, no, he wasn't there. Oh, okay. No, no, but it was Wild and Out. It was the cast. They did like a live show. Hilarious. Like I don't, I don't really like it on TV, but the in, but the live in person was hilarious. Uh, I'm glad you got to get some funny stuff. I know, cause you know, Sometimes with with, with yeah, and with the babies, I ain't been able to get out that much. Yeah, that is so true. very much so. All right, but we so all right, so we're gonna jump into it uh, today. What I'm going to talk about is uh, post deal contingencies and expectations. Now, not last week because I was gone, but the week before that, what I discussed was when you're entering in, in, into any sort of deal, whether it's a partnership, whether it's an acquisition or a merger, or whether it's just any contract where you're hiring somebody for their services or for their products, you have to know who you're getting into bed with. You have to know who you're entering into business with because that has financial and branding implications on you as a business owner. So when we think about uh, closing a deal and when we think about what comes after deal after the deal understand that that inking the document signing the contract is not the end-all be-all that's just when the work starts so um we'll take it in the context of customer service when you are uh, in, in acquisitions right so when you're buying a business you understand that in purchasing a business there is a post transition period where you have to become acclimated with the new team you also understand that if the new team doesn't like you and or the culture of the two brands don't fit or the culture of the two workplaces don't fit, then you will have some some dissonance between the workforces and that will create poor customer service. But what you also have to realize is that when you're going into any sort of acquisition and you're looking at acquiring a business that has employees, you have to be able to identify the key employees. There are always a set of few employees that control the culture, that are the influencers within that space, and that have the ability to either make or break that deal. So when you're entering into a new uh, a new relationship with new employees and you're trying to figure out okay well who do i need to keep before the deal is signed you need to have that figured out and within that contract you need to say okay well all right i want to i want to buy this business but these are some of the contingencies i need to make sure that alexis george and Tyrone stay on because they are the ones that keep the business running. You need to be able to, to identify the key employees, to offer them whatever compensation they need in order to stay, but then you also need to make sure that whoever you're purchasing the business from understands that as a part of him or her or they receiving that full payout of whatever the acquisition price is, it is imperative that and necessary that those folks stay. So you can have a post deal contingencies that either uh, reduce the price if either of those people leave, or you can have, um, if you're paying a portion up front and paying the rest over time, you can reduce the amount of, it, it will be uh, housed in a promissory note, you can reduce the amount of the promissory note based on any, um, uh, any one of those three or any of those key, key persons leaving. So um, you, can also, you can also look at it in the context of, okay, well, if I need to consolidate, how much, uh, how far of a um, of a journey is, is it for that consolidation? So uh, we just did uh, did a deal with um, a business that is out in the suburbs that uh, that acquired a business that's here in the city, and folks from the city don't necessarily want to drive out to the suburbs to work. So if you're not willing to keep an office where you're um, 
at, at the current location of the business that you're acquiring, are you going to have those individuals uh, be willing to, to travel? And if those, and in them traveling, is that going to negatively impact their morale and their um, ability to work in a peaceful manner with your current workforce? So, so with, with that particular piece, you have to do an analysis and say, okay, well, I want this deal. This is the price, but I need at least 80% of the workforce to, to follow. I need at least 80% of the workforce to stay on in order to make this deal work for me. So um, customer service is important in the context of trying to acquire a business. It's even more so you have to do even more due diligence on the front end and you have to make sure that you're putting contingencies in to make sure that the key people stay and that the um, the, the personnel that are that may not necessarily be key people, but that handle some of the essential aspects of the business stay on after that deal. But this works the same way in um, in contracts. So let's say that you're hiring. Um, let's say that you're hiring Mikai to come in and to do sales training and to get your people right. 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 You expect to have some sort of return. So uh, we've seen contracts where there have been, there's been an inability to get out of the contract. Um, there have been no performance standards that have been set. And it is just a contract for a set period of time at a set amount. So if I'm entering into a contract with Mikai and I know that I need to see a return, well, then I am going to set some post-deal contingencies. I'm going to say, okay, and it's also called the termination clause. So I'm going to say, okay, well, we're going to enter in, into this. I'm going to pay you 5000 a month to come in and do trainings for my employees to teach them how to properly sell. But if within three months, I don't see at least an additional 20000 in revenue, we done. Right. We done. Right. There has to be some some metrics, some standards, and you have to know what you want or what you need out of the deal in order to make it worth your time. There are a lot of people who sign contracts, who enter into deals, who don't know what they want. And because they don't know what they want, they don't know what to put in the contract. So when uh, when you're thinking about again, when you're thinking about deals, when you're thinking about contracts, always start with the end goal in mind. Because when you have the end goal in mind, you you can see a much clearer path to getting there. So um, if you need if you need a manufacturer to be able to scale and produce a certain amount of widgets, you need to make sure that that is in the contract that that's something that is discussed up front. If you if you need um, if you need a, a specific skill set from a person that you think that they may have but they may not have fully demonstrated, you you put it in a in the contract that they have to be able to do X, Y, and Z, hit these metrics, or the or this is done. Um, post deal contingencies or making sure that uh, that you have a mechanism for either getting out of a contract or adjusting the price of a business that you purchase um, or adjusting a relationship. It, that's going to be ongoing as far as you know vendor services uh, business partnership making sure that you have the ability to adjust based on what you need to see out of that contract is essential don't just get excited about getting into the deal and and think that just because you got somebody at a good price that that is all good because if you if you acquire a business for half of what it should cost but all the key people leave you have a whole bunch of overhead sure with the, the, with the primary folks walking out the door, so you have taken on a burden and a finan a financial burden that could cripple um, and it make your business implode. Right? You know, you bring up um, a lot of very very good points, um, especially just as it pertains to 
ensuring that your contracts are in order. Yes. So let me ask you this. We kind of, you kind of gave the example of I'm purchasing this business. Mm -hmm. These key people need to be, these key people come with this business. Right. Okay. They must stay with, they the must business. stay with this business. And let's say that these key people, they're not even employees. They're 1099s. They're contractors, right? They're the expertise, the experts that kind of run the business. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, each one of those individuals have their own individual contract with said business. Right. What if the new owner says, hey, I'm actually going to fire you. Mm -hmm. And I don't even care about you, this one contractor person. Um, and I don't care what the contract says. You're done. I don't care because I'm in my feelings and I don't like you. Right. What type of um, rights or what happens to said contractor and then what happens to new said business owner? Right. So this is interesting, right? Because I spoke about it from the, from the side of, <clears throat> of someone who's, you know, spending the money, who's acquiring the business. But if you are a business owner and you're looking to exit, you have a responsibility to your employees to make sure that they're protected in the deal, or at least you should, you should force that, that responsibility on yourself. Right. Excuse me. So, if, if you're selling a business and you want to make sure that your people are protected, make sure that you put the right language in there. Again, did a deal where, where the person that was selling said that as a condition of the selling, you are going to offer these employees employment, right? Right. right? What's wrong with that statement, right? What's wrong with that language? What's wrong with the language is all it says is that I have to offer it. It doesn't, oh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't say how long I have to keep them employed. Doesn't say, doesn't say anything that actually protects them. So you have to be very clear about the language. Now, depending on what the language is and what you actually put into the contract, that's going to dictate the rights that that person has. So um, if you are, if you're a contractor working with the business, that business gets bought out, but you have, uh, we'll, we'll say a, a two year contract left where you're supposed to be paid X amount per month, every month. And that, that contract can't be terminated unless you do some very specific things. If the contract gets terminated, you sue. You, you sue for whatever money you are owed. And, and the, the funny piece is that a lot of times, because people go into uh, entering the contracts with, uh, with rose-colored glasses, they don't really think about the exit. They don't really think about the exit. So, um, so as a business owner, you have to be putting your people in the best position to make sure that they're protected. And you have to be thinking about the end in mind, not just for if you want to get rid of them, but if you want to protect them, because there are certain people that you want to make sure are, are protected, not just in their employment, but when they leave. So maybe you want to make sure that um, that they have a certain bonus payout, or maybe you want to make sure that they have a certain retirement account set up, or that when they, um, that when they, exit they have they have paid a, a certain severance package that there's that they're going to keep right um it's up to the business owner uh well you know it's up to the contractor to negotiate a good contract um but it's also up to the business owner to make sure that that he or she is putting the interest and the um and the future uh viability of their contractors and their employees uh whether that they're keeping that in mind and that they are writing that language into the contract and into a way that isn't just words, right? It's actually enforceable because contracts are made to be broken. And if you come up against me and I can find a loophole to get out of that contract, or if I or or if you're trying to get out of the contract and you can't get out of that contract, but you're sitting here trying to tell me that a contract don't mean nothing, 
well, well, I guess we'll see you in court, right? All day. How can we get a hold of you to make sure our contracts are on point? And how can we also get a hold of you just to ensure that I think a lot of a lot of folks, especially in the business world, we um, don't hold people accountable to the contracts they sign, whether it be fear, whether right. it be lack right. of knowledge. Um, so it's really important. Contracts are put in place for a reason. You don't yep. hire an attorney to put in a contract for to not make sure that everybody um, upholds their obligation that's written in those contracts. How can we get a hold of you to make sure that we're on point? Right, right. So real quick before I, before I say how to get in touch with me, one thing that you bring up is very important. Um, individuals don't try to enforce contracts because uh, mostly because they either have a lack of knowledge or a lack of resources. And by resources, I mean a lack of an ability, the lack of an ability to pay an attorney to actually pursue that um, that item, right? That uh, that contract issue. So, in every contract, make sure that you write in if you have to enforce that contract, if you have to take legal action, that the other party is responsible for your attorney's fees for your court costs. Make sure that you get that covered. But anyway, I can be found jacksoncorporatelaw.com. Uh, Google us, Jackson Corporate Law. Uh, I'm Jamal Jackson. You can find us on all forms of social media. Subscribe to our podcast, Legally Binding. We will continue to give you good information. We have to go to a quick break. Thank you, Jamal. But when we come back, we're going to have our special local focus feature, feature featuring Monique B. Jones. She's the president of Evanston Community Foundation. Don't go anywhere. Talk radio that makes you think.